Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Tesco. Fall has come, and I'm spending my Sundays watching football, and stores have all the Halloween decorations out, which has me thinking a lot about the history of our current trick-or-treating traditions and how they celebrated this festival during the Renaissance. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, the Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest, and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain, when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to the earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, or Celtic priests, to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were very important during the long, dark winter to give them comfort and direction. On October 31st, after the crops were all harvested and put into storage for the winter ahead, the cooking fires in the homes would be extinguished. The Druids, the priests, would meet on the hilltop in the dark oak forest, oak trees for their size and strength, and mistletoe for the remaining green in the winter and having berries in the cold were considered sacred. The Druids would light new fires and offer sacrifices of crops and animals to thank the gods for the harvest and appease the gods for the long coming winter. The morning after, the Druid priests would give out a hot ember from the fires to each family, who would then take them home to start new cooking fires. The fireplace and the fire were a big deal as they kept the homes warm and free from evil spirits all during the dark winter. By AD 43, the Romans had invaded and were ruling parts of England. Some historians believe that the Romans added a few of their own traditions to the celebration of Samhain, such as celebrating the end of the harvest and honoring the dead. Others say that since the Romans never fully conquered the Celts, Ireland, and Scotland, 
there was no mingling of cultures, and that the Celts celebrated the end of the harvest and honored their dead in this way anyway. All Saints' Day originally fell on May 13th. In 601 AD, Pope Gregory I issued an edict to his missionaries regarding the beliefs and customs of the people that they wanted to convert. Rather than try to banish native people's customs and belief, the popes had their missionaries try to incorporate them. If a group of people worshipped a tree, rather than cut it down, he told them to consecrate it to Christ and allow its continued worship. By the 800s, the influence of Christianity had spread to the Celtic lands. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV designated November 1st All Saints Day, a time to honor saints and martyrs. It is widely believed today that the Pope was attempting to replace the Celtic Festival of the Dead with a related but church-sanctioned holiday. The Catholic Church had this long-standing policy of incorporating the non-Christian traditions into their holidays. The celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallow Mass. Hallowed is another word for holy, as in hallowed be thy name in the Lord's Prayer. And the night before it was called, the night of Samhain began to be called All Hallows Eve and, and eventually Halloween. Even later, in AD 1000, the church would make November 2nd All Souls Day, a day to honor the dead, not just the saints. It was celebrated similarly to Samhain, with big bonfires and parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. Together, the three celebrations, the Eve of All Saints, All Saints, and All Souls, were all called Hallow Mass. Whether it was the Celtic New Year or not, Samhain was the beginning of the winter or dark half of the year. The day before Samhain is the last day of summer, or the old year, and the day after is the first day of winter, or the new year. Being between seasons or years, Samhain was considered a very magical time when the dead walk amongst the living and the veils between the past, present, and future are lifted in prophecy and divination. People gathered to sacrifice animals, fruits, and vegetables. They also lit bonfires in honor of the dead to help them on their journey to the other world and to keep them away from the living. On that day, all manner of beings were afoot, ghosts, fairies, and demons. Many of the activities of the Samhain festival were related to these be beliefs, and many of the practices evolved into modern-day Halloween traditions. It was on Halloween in 1517 that Martin Luther began to try to reform the Catholic Church by nailing up his 95 Theses. It ended in the formation of the Protestant Church, which of course didn't believe in saints in the Roman Catholic sense of specific individuals. For most of the 16th century, England was officially very confused about its religion, waffling between Catholic and Protestant both with each new wife of Henry VIII's and then when each of his children took the throne. His daughter Mary was a strong Catholic who tried to pull England back away from the Reformation, but after she died and Elizabeth I took the throne, England was once again Protestant. 
Most people would have had a really hard time keeping up with all of these changes and probably didn't care that much, given that Halloween was a secular as well as a religious holiday. The average person would have celebrated as they always had, at least until close to the end of the 16th century, when it became clear after nearly 40 years of Protestant rule that England was a Protestant nation. Without saints, there would be no All Hallows' Eve, and no Halloween, and no partying. So, in England, when a conspiracy to blow up the Parliament and King James I in 1605 was discovered, this began, became a convenient way to solve two issues at once. The celebrations that people were accustomed to just moved to November 5th and became Guy Fawkes Day. So, although technically the celebration was to commemorate the failure of the plot, nevertheless, it was Halloween, just a few days later. Bonfires were lit across the country, and people made lanterns from carved-out turnips, and children went begging. Realizing that it could not completely get rid of all the supernatural aspects of, cel of the celebrations, the Catholic Church began characterizing the spirits as evil forces associated with the devil, and this is where much of the more malevolent Halloween imagery, such as evil witches and demons, comes from. In the, Celt in the Celtic times, and up until the Middle Ages, fairies were also thought to run free on the eve of Samhain. Fairies weren't necessarily evil, but they weren't particularly good. They were mischievous. They liked rewarding good deeds, and did not like to be crossed. On Samhain, fairies were thought to disguise themselves as beggars and go door-to-door -door asking for handouts. Those who gave them food were rewarded. Those who did not were subjected to unpleasantness. In medieval times, one popular All Souls Day practice was to make soul cakes, simple bread desserts with a currant topping. In a custom called souling, children would go door-to-door -door begging for cakes, much like modern-day trick-or-treaters. For every cake a child collected, he or she would have to say a prayer for the dead relatives of the person who gave the cake. These prayers would help the relatives find their way out of purgatory and into heaven. The children even sang a soul cake song along the lines of the modern trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat, give me something good to eat. As part of the Samhain celebration, Celts would bring home an ember from the communal bonfire at the end of the night. They carried these embers in hollowed-out turnips, creating a lantern resembling the modern-day jack-o'-lantern. This carried on in Ireland and Scotland through the 18th century. A very popular character in Irish folk tales was Stingy Jack, a famous cheapskate who, on several occasions, avoided losing his soul to the devil by tricking him, often on All Hallows' Eve. In one story, he convinced Satan to climb up a tree for some apples, and then cut crosses all around the trunk so that the devil couldn't climb down. The devil promised to leave Jack alone forever if he would only let him out of the tree. When Jack eventually died, he was turned away from heaven due to his life of sin. But in keeping with their agreement, the devil wouldn't take Jack either. He was cursed to travel forever as a spirit in limbo. As Jack left the gates of hell, the devil threw him a hot ember to light his way in the dark. Jack placed the ember in a hollowed-out turnip and wandered off into the world, 
According to the Irish legend, you might see Jack's spirit on All Hallows' Eve, still carrying his turnip lantern through the darkness. Traditional jack-o'-lanterns were the hollowed-out turnips with the candles inside, and became a very popular Halloween decoration in Ireland and Scotland. Irish families who immigrated to America brought the tradition with them, but they replaced the turnips with more plentiful pumpkins. And as it turns out, pumpkins are easier to carve than turnips are. So people began to cut frightening faces and other elaborate designs into their jack-o'-lanterns. That's it for this week, except for the book recommendation, which is Medieval Celebrations, How to Plan for Holidays, Weddings, and Reenactments with Recipes, Customs, Costumes, Decorations, Songs, Dances, and Games by Daniel Deal and Mark Donnelly. It is essentially a how-to guide for putting on a medieval celebration, including all the things mentioned above, costumes, de decorations, songs, and dances. And I'll put a link to purchase it up on the blog. You can also visit the blog and send me comments, story ideas, or other general thoughts. The address is http colon slash slash englandcast.blogspot.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I promise I won't let it go for so long until another episode. Have a wonderful Halloween! Blow northern wind, ascend who may be sweating, blow northern To board in Bowerbreak, that solely Sam lives on seat. Men's cool maiden of meat, fair and fray to thunder. In all this war, fleet of one, born of blood and of bone, never yet in Ustern on, not so merry longer. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.